Uh, hey, everybody. Oh, wait, shit. Can I go back? Rewind. Uh, hey, everybody. <laughs> Damn, it was the same thing. Hi, guys. Damn it. So, so, you're telling me you grew up without a love of horror movies. Oh, my God, no. Yeah, of course. Where'd that, where'd that come from? I don't, I wasn't into them. Just not, just, just like, no, I don't like not scary on, stuff. Not on your radar. Yep, didn't care. Didn't it? Didn't pull me. I don't. I didn't understand why people were pulled into it. I don't know. I didn't care. I I got into it. God, I would think I was ten, mm-hmm. around ten, mm-hmm. when uh, my friend Jeremy we would start doing sleepovers, and it was that was. I think I mentioned it before. Like we would go to the video store and rent. Mm-hmm. We would just look at whatever the coolest looking horror horror movie cover was. Yeah. So like the thing was on there and Children of the Corn and just like whoa this looks Pumpkinhead yeah I, I I remember the the appeal sort of especially among my friends and everything and you know there were friends who were totally into that stuff and not like super crazy they had a varied interest but you know uh, if it was if I had a choice or a say in the matter we weren't gonna watch a horror movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like that's like let's watch something funny. Like, yeah. Can we watch both Ghostbusters again? Like, <laughs> like my tastes weren't that varied. I mean, I, I kind of stuck with what I knew was safe for me. Yeah. Um, Horror movies are not safe. They're not safe. There's the definition it, of there could be something that being just too little and experiencing some sort of I don't know something some horror movie scene or whatever not that traumatized me but just like oh what that what's that no nope. mm-hmm. like but i have nothing to like point to yeah um and it, like i i've said like i living in the chaos of my house and why would i and being scared all the time for different reasons why would i like want to watch people get murdered or maybe be murdered and stuff it just was like not appealing at all yeah it, i can see it as the I understand people like the horror movies for the thrill or the exhilaration, all of that. Like, no thanks. I need to relax or laugh at stuff. That uh, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I I get both sides of the the yeah. view on horror movies of yeah. why people don't want to have anything to do with them, and then why. I don't know if I get why people are like completely obsessed with them, but I get what the, I get. And, yeah. you know, I feel the same way. Like, I have an interest, at least in the older horror movies. But yeah. And I'm not I'm not averse to them. I've, I'll watch some. And certainly none of, none of the modern horror movies. No. Um, but, uh, uh, so bottom line, horror movies are stupid. <laughs> but I wasn't, I wasn't averse. I do remember uh, sleeping over my friend Mike's house at age 11 or 12. And I, I had no concept of what evil dead was and evil dead 2 was on tv or hbo probably or you know a channel i wasn't getting Mm -hmm. and it was so crazy and honestly and the unfortunate thing is we were we were laughing at it but we we were kind of laughing at it like Mm -hmm. look at how stupid this movie is in a sense not realizing that it's all intentional right that's what they want you to think yeah and i and and then i think that's the first time i'd seen bruce campbell do anything and then um, and then when he was popping up in other stuff like Briscoe County, Briscoe Jr., County yeah. I'm like, oh, that's that guy. Yeah. And then uh, it became I, there's a reason I watched seven seasons of Burn Notice. I came for Bruce Campbell and right. I stayed for Bruce Campbell. Yep. And Sharon Glass. Oh, of course. Sharon Glass is a gem. She's a television icon. I love Sharon Glass. So that's me and my horror movies. 
Well, we're talking we're talking horror movies because it's October. Happy October, everybody! Yeah, spooky month. Spooky. That's scary. what I call October. <laughs> spooky. It's uh, the thirteenth of spooky month. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the show. This is Reconcinimation. We're looking at uh, some of our favorites and not so favorites from the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Our youth, the movies we grew up with, and whether or not they work in twenty eighteen. In the month of October. Mm. And we're going to be looking all month long at horror movies. Spooky movies. Spooky, yeah. Spooky Scary. movies. Like the Garfield Halloween special. Oh, my God. Well, that'll maybe next year. That's kind of traumatic, <laughs> that one. But uh, I'm uh, Dave Munchak. And I'm John Diner. Thanks for coming back and tuning into the show, guys. Yes, welcome, everybody. We want to thank our, uh, before we dive into everything, we just want to thank our friends, Curtis Moore, for yet again, every time, Beautiful. every week. Love it. Beautiful poster and artwork. And our other friend, E.K. Wimmer, for the theme song. Yes, thank you guys. We appreciate it. Yeah. Are we doing a movie this week? We are. We are doing, we are doing a movie. And this is Ooh. a great movie. All right. I'm a little scared. We're, yeah. You but you're going to laugh a little bit, too. I think so. It's like half and half. Yeah. You're now you're okay with holding my hand this entire yeah. time because I am scared. You've been you've been okay with it yeah. so far. It's happened before. Yeah. You cry sometimes and yeah. you you need support. So but like and I know my hands get like super sweaty <laughs> uh, like 24/7 so <laughs> I put, I have a towel here. Okay. So just I appreciate you hanging in there with me. <laughs> Stay tuned everybody. They only come out at night. They're me. Rude and dead. Not them. Them. There's a hundred of those things out there. How many did you say? A hundred? The dead are refusing to remain buried. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? We're gonna call the boss. They've come back to life. They're hungry. And they're not vegetarians. The graveyard out there is full of people coming out of the ground. We have a little problem. What the hell is going on there? Rabbit weasels. What? And ready to party. The return of the living dead. It's Return of the Living Dead. The Return of the Living Dead. A spiritual sequel. A spirit. Yeah, and and we're gonna we're gonna talk about how it is and sort of isn't a, a sequel to Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. But uh, it's 1985. Yeah. We're before Madonna. we died. <laughs> Madonna's Duh. all. Michael J. Fox. Stonewash. And jeans, probably. Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. Rocky Four. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah. Weird Science? Uh, yeah, Weird Science. 85, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, Breakfast Club? Yeah, a lot of okay, things. Okay, sure. A- 85 was... Is that the the apex of the 80s? It's the middle. I mean, it is the middle. So, but yeah. Like, when I think of the 80s, 85 is the year that really... Really stands out. I think eighty five, eighty six. That's a big year. I mean, it's like the definite, really like yeah. All the like eighties stuff is kind of in that year. And for all you sports fans, Astros had a great season that year. I bet. <laughs> I miss those old Astros uniforms. The eighty five Astros. Oh my oh, god! Oh, the stripes, the orange. Yeah, the, that horrible orange. The orange, like the three different versions of mm-hmm. orange around a star. Yeah, I think. 
that's that's what I think when I think Astro is a star with horrible orange. Yeah, uh, it's just like burned into your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that font. That's <laughs> that Astro's font. We're just. <laughs> Ooh. I think my friend Brent is really going to love us digging on the uh, Astros. Is he an Astros yeah. fan? Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. <laughs> of all the teams I picked, I didn't know about four uh, NBA you, teams. And you just met Brent, and now Wait, he's going to hate you. Did I say NBA? <laughs> <laughs> MLB. But leading before we dive into the movie, should we This Week in History, our, our, yeah. new, our new segment? A lot of just things a couple, happened. Just a couple of things in the years leading up to 1985 and right after. What happened? 1962, Ringo Starr joined a little band called the Beatles. Never heard of them. Yeah, I never heard of any of them. Who is, who's you know, Ringo Starr? But there's people, there's ki- the kids these days, do you think maybe they don't don't know who the Beatles are? Or they know of them? They know of them, and it's their parents' is like yeah. parents' shit music. That's right. what they think it is. Well, I, there's a lot of people our age that, I mean, the other day, someone drove down the street in front of my house blasting the Beatles. Cool. Like Good all right, for you. and that person was definitely in their twenties. So, no, I mean obviously they're they're fine. They're yeah. not shit. They're fine. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, yeah. Um, they're doing fine. Uh, the Ramones, nineteen seventy four, their first very first concert. Oh, where was that? In my backyard. <laughs> wow, that's that's great. Uh, but uh, what else happened in music? Was it? Was, was that a lot of music things happened. A lot this of music week. history. <laughs> yeah, a lot of music history. Peter Gabriel uh, quit the beat of the Beatles. <laughs> Peter Gabriel. <laughs> nobody knew he was in the Beatles either. <laughs> Peter Gabriel quit uh, Genesis ah. and was replaced by your very favorite Philip Collins. Philip. Phil J. Collins. <laughs> I don't know what his middle name is. Uh, David had no idea that that uh, Peter Gabriel was. In Genesis, till yeah. we started talking about it. Until I said I thought it was Phil Collins in it, and apparently, you were half correct. I was my, oh, I was was correct. Yeah, and then if you said who is in the um, Genesis in Genesis before Phil Collins, I'd be like, I don't know the the bass player <laughs> who of Genesis, not Peter Gabriel. So that's some great yeah music history that Thanks. everyone except David knew. So, yeah, honestly. I know everyone is pointing and laughing at yeah. me. Literally, uh, they're pointing at their, uh, you know, computers, phones, and I- yeah. iPods. And it's pads. virtual. It's yeah. virtual points. <laughs> virtual pointing. Uh, but didn't also I remember in the eighties, mm-hmm. Madonna. Hit yeah, big you, this yeah, week. She was nineteen eighty six though, or just after. Just after. after. This movie. She was just prep. She was probably writing. Uh, Papa Don't Preach. Papa Don't Preach, number one. Which hit number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably writing it while she was in the theater watching Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. I think I, yeah, I'm, I'm betting on it. Let's, if we ever encounter her, yeah, that's our top question. It's, odds are high. Yeah, she well, swings well, through Recon Cinema Studios in Hollywood mm-hmm. fairly often. Yeah, she pops by every every time she's in L.A. Yeah, we don't bother. Yeah, but I just let her her limousine. You know, drives by. She's hanging out the top. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, last but certainly not least, and I remember this very well. 1987, "Slippery When Wet" Ooh, was released from Poison. <laughs> Hot new band, Poison. Poison. Uh, bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Take two, Bon Jovi. Poison, probably. So that was this week in history. <laughs> Enjoy that. Enjoy guys. that. <laughs> Bring that once you listen to the show. Now you've got something to talk about with yeah. your coworkers. Uh, so, mention yeah. the show first, but bring up the music history. Too. Of course, yeah. 
Uh, so, Return of the Living Dead. When was the uh, when was the very first time you saw this movie, David? Me, uh, you. Three nights ago. <laughs> three nights as of this recording. <laughs> and it was fine. Yeah, it was all by myself. And, and it's funny because I well, the first time I saw it, I was uh, alone as well. Oh, what did you do? When I was saw, that? So I didn't actually catch this movie uh, when it came out, or even any time near when it came out. Uh, I remember seeing the cover in the in the video store, uh, but I never never rented it and made it all the way through to the year 2000. Ooh, I was home back in New York uh, on summer break from college. Yeah, was out, uh, you know, doing getting up to no good with my friends. Uh-oh. Real late at night. Sure. So I came home. Lights are all out. Everybody's asleep. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to like tiptoe into the house. My house was one that was like every creak was magnified. Mm-hmm. It was a creaky house. Yeah. Uh, so I w- snuck up. You know, I went upstairs, but it was all kind of wound up and something. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Uh, so I wasn't ready to go to bed. So I sat there with the volume real low and was kind of flipping through the channels. And I think it was I think it was AMC had was playing. It was like right at the very beginning of Return of the Living Dead and. Mm-hmm. Right away, I was just kind of fascinated with it, mm-hmm. and I stayed. You know, I just sat there right in front of the TV. I don't know; it was probably like two o'clock in the morning or later, even. Yeah, and just watched it all the way through, and it was just like, "What is this movie?" Yeah, it's really fascinating. If you didn't know what you were getting into, I can I can see that. Yeah, you, you kind of gave me a primer what to expect, not but not a lot. So I, I had the right attitude going into it. Um, I really wish I had company, though. It just sort of like oh, I. I know I could have had a better experience with it. I mean, I can judge the movie on its own merits, but the movie-going experience, I think, would definitely have been uh, better with uh, with someone to just look over and someone, laugh with. Yeah, someone to hold your hand. Yeah, like you're currently doing. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's interesting though. So, year two thousand, New York, nine eleven plans are all are getting pretty close. You have, we don't have any idea, but it's, yeah. those plans are in motion uh, at the time. But yeah, I mean, I loved it. I loved the movie right away. Oh, the, yeah, the <laughs> movie. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so if you haven't, well, let's we'll just walk through the plot and do a, a super quick version of... Uh, Give me the log line. The, <laughs> I'm not going to pitch it. I'm not pitching the I movie. want the elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's about... Uh, kids really who are just bumming around this town and uh did they wait they Lu- said what town it was louisville right? yeah louisville yeah where they make the bets exactly or the major league baseball the sluggers uh Baseball's so they're on the mind. hanging around near this uh factory this where the military used to have equipment and and all sorts of things and they've left behind a canister mm-hmm. right yeah yeah more or less yeah and you see a guy, one of the kids. It's his first, one of the teenagers. It's his first day on the job in this in this warehouse and yeah, this medical supply. Med- facility. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you remember uh, the name of it? Unida, U N E E D A. So you need it. You need to. You need it. We got it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of this thing. And yeah, it's his first day on this job with his uncle, Freddie. Yeah, is on the first day of the job with his uncle Frank. Frank. Frank shows him around. It's July third, nineteen eighty four. 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard mm-hmm. Time. Which is very clearly labeled for us in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. The, 
and then uh yeah then the he learns the secrets about what's in those canisters in the basement and uh it, it and it starts a chain reaction once they explore those uh canisters yeah basically the undead start walking around the kids and then the owners of the warehouse and then the 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 mortuary uh, the mortician the, street, right? the mortician across the street there's a be- a disgusting graveyard down the block from this uh, industrial a lot warehouse. happening in this area yeah <laughs> and uh they all get mixed up and trapped by um a growing infection of yeah. the undead zombies galore pop out and grave. it's a it's a fight for survival yeah and who's who's going to survive We'll find out. We'll because find out. Yeah. So we'll see who makes it to the end. Yeah. Who's the final girl? <laughs> who is? Although that's a slasher film thing, right? It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. He busts <laughs> out. He's covered in mud. He, Arnold, he makes it through. the final girl, Schwarzenegger, <laughs> which we talked about in our Predator episode, oh, which yeah. you can uh, check out in the archives. Yeah. Give that a listen. Uh, so... The Night of the Living Dead, or you know, I call it the Night of the Living Dead franchise, but it's really the the Dead franchise has a lot of different. It has a long life and a lot of different offshoots. Mm-hmm. Uh, Night of the Living Dead was a really successful, super low budget horror movie in 1968, directed by George Romero, mm-hmm. uh, and Romero was part of a group of film of industrial filmmakers out of the Pittsburgh area. So it was Romero, uh, Russell Strainer, and a guy by the name of John Russo who developed and, and financed and made Night of the Living Dead, uh, which launched really launched Romero's career. Um, and the rest kind of, you know, hung around other versions of the, the Dead movies. But mm-hmm. uh, they decided they couldn't really agree on a sequel, on how to make a sequel, what story to tell, and... and they kind of agreed to go their separate ways and I believe they still remain friends but they just agreed they could each make their own sort of offshoot Hmm. so Romero turned around and uh, created Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead and a lot of other (laughs) dead Hmm. movies that he continued all the way up until he passed away Uh, John Russo wrote a book called Return of the Living Dead which was terribly received oh like every review i've read i haven't read the book but every review i've read of it is just awful like it's just incoherent and unlikable characters and just everything that could go wrong i see but he was trying to raise funds to make a movie out of this he connected with a producer or financier named tom fox who uh they started developing the project and got hemdale films to also get involved with them uh, and that kind of led to to this de- the development of this movie. Originally, they had Tob- Toby Hooper on the hook. Toby Hooper. Yeah. Wait. From from Friday the Thirteenth. No. No. Texas Chainsaw. Texas Chainsaw. Matt yeah. Franchise. One and two. Shoot. Uh, so he was, but he was, and also Poltergeist. Although mm. people argue about what his real level of influence on poltergeist was and he's the credited director and Uh, did a lot of the movie but okay many people uh seem to think that it's much more of a spielberg movie than Mm. since he produced it but it feels like and looks like a spielberg movie and not really like a toby hooper movie i see but um hooper was originally going to direct the film 
And but scheduling conflicts came up. He was doing a movie called Life Force. You ever see Life Force? Life Force with um, no Brian Dennehy, maybe. <laughs> no. Am I thinking of? Nope, definitely not. Life Force. Life Force uh, is a sci-fi kind of alien invasion. Brian Dennehy comes off the ship and yeah, and he meets up with Stallone and then they <laughs> yeah yeah. I remember it's really good and it was like in a jungle. It's I First think. Blood colon Life Force. <laughs> yeah. Y'all know that. Yeah, a classic. Uh, so uh, Hooper's stuck doing Life Force, which at the end of the day, I wonder. If he regrets having done Life Force, Life Force has its fans, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It doesn't have the shelf life that. No. That are uh, we gonna have to review this one? I, maybe we <laughs> might do Life Force one day. <laughs> it's kind of fun to crap on it. Way but. down, way down the road, maybe. <laughs> uh, so they uh, turn to Dan O'Bannon to as the next uh, person to come in and take over the movie. Oh, hey O'Bannon! Yeah, we need your help here. <laughs> We're gonna make this movie. <laughs> Is he out of like walk? Is that O'Bannon out of like Welcome Back, Connor? <laughs> yeah, hey O'Bannon, <laughs> you're David's version of O'Bannon, Dan O'Bannon. <laughs> but we know uh, many horror fans and movie fans in general are familiar with the name Dan O'Bannon by yeah. 1985. Absolutely, and he's he himself is even connected to the fantastic film known as Life Force. Is he? Yeah, he wrote it. Oh, yeah. But the writer of Alien, uh, I mean, he's got. Yeah, just a ton of movies under his belt. He was friends with John Carpenter and is actually an actor in the movie Dark Star, which is Carpenter's first movie. Mm-hmm. He did some some visual effects stuff on Star Wars. Uh, Shit. Wrote Alien, wrote and I think. Whoa. Yeah, wrote uh, two segments in Heavy Metal. Oh, wow, yeah. in Nineteen eighty one. Wrote Blue Thunder, uh, and then wrote Life Force. So he's a big you know writer in in the biz. He gets around. Everyone knows him. Yeah. He's a, he's Everybody a, knows O'Bannon. Come on. So he had a lot of clout. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't doing... Well, I guess maybe not a ton. He wasn't right? like a Hollywood heavyweight or anything, but yeah. he was, I think, a respected writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and they thought that he would be a good choice to kind of take this over. And Well, I have to agree because the the film is quite... It's tight. It's a tight film. It's really straightforward. Mm-hmm. Really, the characters are all like really likable and fun. Everybody in it is great. Yeah, per, like portraying these characters. But the storyline is just pretty straightforward. Of like, here's a crazy zombie movie, and we're just gonna have a lot of fun. Yeah, and and it's not over the top with the zaniness, but it is kind of zany at times. Mm-hmm. And then it is kind of it is kind of terrifying at times. Like it's kind of scary and thrilling. Like who's gonna uh, someone's gonna die here or they yeah. could die it's but it's not uh like a horror like a sh- it's a horror comedy so it's not as like necessarily scary it's just kind of visceral and interesting um and funny yeah all at once and it's it's coming out at an interesting time for horror movies because it's really at the height of the friday the 13th movies mm-hmm. a couple of the halloweens had come out a few of the nightmare on elm street movies and that's you know, there was definitely the the horror comedy wasn't really like a thing at this point. Mm-hmm. Even the first Evil Dead movie, you know, the first one comes off like a horror movie. The yeah. the comedy doesn't enter till uh, Evil Dead Two. Right. So this was, I mean, as far as I know, this is really like the first true horror comedy, intentionally made horror yeah. comedy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would think so. And and to do a do a zombie flick as 
uh, as an as a response to all these slasher fic slasher films like you can't really do horror comedy with slasher films until you get to scream obviously right. like scream finally figured out like here here's all the crazy shit that these movies were about and we're gonna make and we're gonna have fun with it yeah um and uh so yeah could take back the go back to like the monsters use zombies as the uh backdrop of this and you can have a lot of fun with mm-hmm. it and and O'Bannon really was very clear. Like he wanted to make this movie his way. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to do it the way John Russo had in the, in the book or his their original idea. It was like it's my way or the highway. Yeah, get out highway to hell. And they they agreed. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and they were. So O'Bannon took over, and and yeah, it's. I don't know. I, the, like the, especially the Friday the Thirteenth movies, one of the reasons I love them so much is because they're they're funny to me and to a lot of people. Right. Well, but, yeah, they got funnier and funnier, right? Like the with yeah one liners and the 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 gags kind of yeah. Like the, he's such a sarcastic guy that. <laughs> but prior to like, prior to the sixth movie, their intention was to be scary. Yeah, and this just really didn't change the formula that much. It just this movie's view is is just way more of a comedic look and is embracing that instead of trying to force you to be scared at this stuff mm-hmm. and there and there are frightening moments in it like there's certain shots that are definitely like freak freak you out a yeah little bit. yeah well great great visual effects and zombie makeup and, mm-hmm. and you know the tar man is like the yeah. first time i had seen the tar man move like i'd seen stills of him yeah and then the first time he talked, I was I was genuinely like, yeah. like freaked out. <laughs> well, yeah, because they just like well, they pull back like a curtain, and he's just there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, it's and like, oh shit, because it's it's great puppeteering. Like to me, it looked, and that's what he is. Alan Troutman, who played him, is a puppeteer. Yeah, yeah. I, you can tell just in the design and the movement. It just it's wonderful. It uh, the Tarman, like, and when he opens his mouth and his tongue, and he's got those giant eyes, it almost seemed like this is this is the the perversion, the worst version of like Grover could be like, it was unreal, like in this puppet way, but still scary. Cause it looked like a person. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it has that form. It was, but my immediate thought was like, that's kind of like a Muppet, but scary as hell. Yeah. Um, and so that makes a lot of sense that he's a puppeteer and uh, knows how to do those movements. Mm-hmm. The exaggeration. Of yeah. The, the figure. I don't know. Yeah, he's. It was a great choice. I mean, it was it was a great character. They developed a really distinct look, and mm-hmm. I think that's what the successful horror movies all did. Yeah, you know, and he's not. He's like the featured zombie. There's a couple of featured zombies, but yeah. he's probably the main one, and yeah. was the most celebrated, I guess. I would think uh, so. Yeah. So it's important for those to to stand out. You need that one kind of like standout look. You know, yeah, yeah, and but what you were saying earlier too, the the characters are all they're punks, but they're likable. Like you don't dislike any of these guys. No, they're just they're just punk kids. Yeah, the, you don't really get to know a lot of them. No, that well. <laughs> no, no, but you don't. just the energy is really, you know, they're 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 fine. They're cool. Well, the the one guy, the first punk who dies suicide, he's the one who drives them around and everything, and he's just sort of he's just, he's just kind of an asshole to them, but they're all. They're all like, they all love each other or yeah. something. Like they're all friends, and he's just like a big complainer yeah. and everything like that. <laughs> but he's so funny when he's just standing in the graveyard, and uh, he's like, "I got something to say. What do you, what do you think? This is a costume? Like this, this is a way of life." And it's just, 
just giving him a, every character had a little moment of them of their personality. They do, yeah, in, in the movie. And yeah, it's, they're they're it's really funny. It was some of the Friday the Thirteenth movies get overloaded with characters, mm-hmm. and in that you don't get any you don't get to know any of them at all. You don't get any kind of moment with some of them. Yeah, uh, this was I felt like there was a lot of because there's how many there's like seven of them or something, right? The punks there is technically a eight, eight, eight yeah. Um, with Freddy. With Freddy. Yeah. I think. Some of the, yeah. But they're all piled in this car, and it's like, that's a lot of... I don't know if you need all these guys. But it works, because when they get split up, it the numbers drop a little bit. and Yeah, I mean, I think there was probably... Two of them don't get a ton of of time, screen mm-hmm. time. But, but they're they, there But lot. they're there. The Chuck and the... I forget. Chuck was like the kind of hipster guy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the woman in like the blue shirt, which mm-hmm. I would say... Stacy, I think her name yeah. was. They they get cordoned off together, but they weren't featured a lot. Uh, uh, I think throughout, but uh, there's um, I don't know. Yeah, everyone gets a little bit. Of yeah, time. they get a they get a little love. Yeah, but some of my favorite. I mean, Freddie and Frank. I I really like those guys, yeah. those actors, and the characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all again, they're all likable. James Karen, who played uh, Frank. I grew up with him doing local Pathmark commercials. Pathmark was a grocery store. Did yeah. you have Pathmark? Did we talk yeah, about I that? Yeah, I know what Pathmark is, yeah. Yeah. He was the Pathmark guy. Oh, really? So I remember, you know, like, huh. oh, the Pathmark guy. Oh. And then he's been in tons he's, of movies. He's been in everything. Yeah. I mean, tons he, of stuff. I th- what was the last thing he was in? Superman, right? The last Superman? The Oh, was he? Yeah. I don't remember. Though, oh, not the last one. The one with Brandon Ruth. Oh, okay. Yeah. But he still shows up like here and there. He's a lot older now, but yeah, no, I think um, I think most people to see him would 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 recognize him. Yeah, even if they don't know where. Yeah, um, but and he is great because he, as soon as the, you know, he leads Freddie around and shows him the ropes, and he's just kind of like this, he's just kind of this cool guy, working class guy, and just tells him the story, spooks him out a little yeah. bit, and then as well, soon as. <laughs> Let me interrupt you there for one sec. Yeah. They talk about Night of the Living Dead. It's like a self-reflexive, you yeah. know, reflection there that they they talk about like the movie of Night of the Living Dead and yeah. actually use the word zombies, which nobody actually says in a zombie movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because he says and he says the events of of Night of the Living Dead were based on real stories, and then he tells Freddy the real story. Right. And uh, which and, the military was involved in and yeah led to yeah go ahead. Uh, led to them leaving like the the canister. Yeah, the canisters with, got misshipped to their ship to their yeah. place, so they've just been keeping them for some reason. There's no real motivations to why. Yeah, I guess they didn't want to get in trouble with the army. Right, <laughs> you know, the army had this. And we have a cutaway. Don't we have a cutaway to like a military general? Yeah, well, part yeah, the movie kind of opens where there's a general or a colonel. He his his main job is to find these missing canisters. We don't know what he's looking for necessarily, but that's got to be it. And uh, yeah, pretty quickly you put it together that, that these Frank and Freddie have what what the military is looking for. But uh, James Cameron, he, he James Cameron, he tells the story to Freddie, and then as soon as like and go crazy, <laughs> things get bad with the zombies. He turns, he just freaks out, and he he's he just does like this like sort of stage actory like hyper uh, scared guy and it's so funny throughout yeah he's just kind of like a coward the whole time but not uh i don't know it's just kind of like moaning oh my god he just can't believe it like (laughs) his whimpering yeah he's just whimpering and 
and the, you know the the corpse is knocking on the one side of the door yeah. and Freddy says oh my god what do you what do you think he wants i don't know he sounds sore he seems sore like he's <laughs> he's sore like it's just there's a lot of great lines and they mostly land with frank and freddy yeah uh, i'm a big fan of those too like yeah you, know, um, uh, you collect the action figures yeah i, I got them. yeah i have 10 of each <laughs> 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 yeah um Freddy is played by Tom Matthews, who there's a there is a strong uh, connect, Friday the Thirteenth connection in this movie. Mm-hmm. Tom Matthews is in Part Six, and Miguel Nunez and Mark Venturini, are uh, who are part of the the gang there, mm-hmm. are both in Part Five, which is oh, the right. same year. Came out the same year as Miguel us. Nunez was in Part Five. Yeah, he was. Joanna man gets killed in that outhouse. Yeah. Yeah. He's a uh, he's good. Yeah. He's really good. He yeah. Played- Miguel Nunez plays Spider. Spider. <laughs> he gets to, he he makes it toward the end there. He well he, he, they all do or a well, lot yeah. of them do. Yeah, yeah. Until yeah. the very end. But <laughs> but Miguel Nunez was he was actually he was homeless going into this movie. No shit, yeah. really. He landed the part and just was like living out of his car, I think. So well his career took off. I mean he I I had looked him up recently. He wor- he constantly works. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a he's a solid. Oh yeah, actor. he's all over a lot of T V. Yeah. I mean, I recognized him to see him. It was like him and James Car- Karen were the only ones I mm-hmm. like recognized immediately. Yeah, and then everyone. Else, there's a lot of shadows of recognition. I think with Dan Calfa, Don Don Calfa, or Don yeah. Calfa, excuse me, and Clue um, Gulliger. There, there's yeah, yeah, there's just something about these guys. That yeah, they're a little bit off to my, they're in my periphery. I think just because of you know when they were bigger or worked and what I was watching. Yeah, but um, the what stands out about this movie though. I mean, it's so creative, like their way to get from step, you know, A to B to C to D. Like the the plot movements are, mm-hmm. uh, the plot devices are really, really creative and different from what was happening with other horror movies. Mm-hmm. It just it worked really well, and you can probably credit a lot of that to Dan O'Bannon. Mm. Um, just knew how to weave a, a good story out of this, yeah. and how to get them from one place to another. So when the so the canister cracks. And Freddie and Frank, like, they they breathe in the gas. Right, they breathe in the gas, which then they're kind of screwed. For... Yeah, but, like, it's great. The the canister explodes. Like, you get the whole backstory of where these canisters come from. You know, ten, for 10 minutes, everything is normal until the canister breaks. And then the theme music starts. Which is a great, and great theme music. Great theme music. And then you see the gas sort of interacting with the environment. It wakes up the cadaver. Well, wait, no, it's not... Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, well, not, 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 not the not the environment. Not the environment. The cadaver the, wakes up. The cadaver wakes up. So yeah. it, it goes throughout the building. Yes. So we know that these guys were affected. Affected. They get knocked out. You don't necessarily know mm-hmm. if anything's wrong, but until later. And then, um, you know, it, it's it's a nice slow build. Like something's happening. Yeah. In Louisville. Yeah. Like, in this building. The great shot of the cadaver that's hanging in the in the freezer. Mm-hmm. That's like on a hook in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Just this kind of like push in on it. Yeah. Really, really nice shot. Yeah. And then the cadaver. They they open the freezer and the cadaver comes flying out at them and like is all like just viciously attacking them. Yeah. They uh, end up having to fight it off and. Oh, by this point, they've called uh, Frank is called his boss, the manager of the warehouse. Yeah, uh, which is who's played by Clue Gulliger. Yeah, he plays Clu- Bert. Yeah, who's a serious actor at this point. Oh, really? He was in. Uh, he was in the Last Picture Show. He was a Texan actor that was, you know, a more of a 
theatrical type of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does show up, and he's the dad in Nightmare on Elm Street 2, oh. which is a whole subject on its own. We'll cover Whoa. that another day. All right. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Uh, but he shows up again here, and it's his first kind of, as far as I know, his first kind of comedy role. Oh, wow. Which they, and speaking of comedy, they went to Leslie Nielsen to play that character. Oh, really? Which would have been, uh, that would have been, I mean, Clue's great in this movie. Yeah. Leslie would have been really fantastic, I think. Yeah, I think he, because he, it was still in that time where Leslie Nielsen just played straight so well. Well, he'd done for, Airplane. For the last, yeah, I mean. But he, it wasn't until Naked Gun that it really, like, yeah. took off. Well, because Airplane was his first comedy, too. Yeah. So it was just like, and they, I mean, Airplane is full. They're all straight dramatic actors yeah and they play it straight that's they, why it's so fun and that's why it's hysterical like and that's i think all of them found a new <laughs> a, yeah a new venue for or a new avenue for their career yeah um, then so leslie nelson would have been amazing like he would have played it so straight and, and perfect yeah um instead of like that naked gun style where it's a little more obvious um yeah but you still great in anyway oh yeah yeah but yeah no he the, uh yeah clue clue, so, clue did wonderful in this. yeah uh, and he play, his character's name is Bert, so Frank calls his boss Bert, and the three of them are trying to deal with the cadaver. They end up cutting its head off, and it's still like alive and trying to get them. And yeah. uh, they, when they look out the window and remember there's a mortuary like next door, yeah, yeah, uh, which is uh, which is Bert's friend Ernie, Bert's friend played Ernie. by Don Calfa, who's another great character actor. Yeah, really great in Weekend at Bernie's. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and what a voice on that guy. I know. Right? I looked. At, he didn't do any voice work. He should have. Yeah. He's a great voice. A lot. And unfortunately, just passed away too. Yeah. So. Yeah. so they bring the cadaver over to him. To they're going to burn the body. Yeah. And this is where the movie really takes off. It almost feels like everything to this point is like a prologue. Yeah. They're because, just trying to solve a problem. Like, right. This is just the one small little problem. Yes. Not, this is no need to panic yet. Yeah. How could it possibly get worse? <laughs> yeah. Just burn the body. Well. And this is my favorite. I mean, this is genius to me. The, just the way this is shot. When they burn the body, mm-hmm. you follow the smoke from the, you know, from the, like the chimney. The chimney, yeah. yeah. And you go up into the sky. You go up into the clouds where it all forms to to rain. Yeah. The rain comes back down right yeah. on top of them, and you follow the rain all the way into the ground and into a uh, a coffin. And then you see like the legs twitch. Yeah. So you get it. Like they just caused this whole zombie takeover. Yeah. I mean, it's raining over a, a graveyard, so yeah. all the dead is gonna rise up. These four idiots just, <laughs> yeah, just ruined the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I don't know if you were one of them. Uh, what else would you do? I know. What? Yeah. It's Why kind of logical think? thinking that mm-hmm. you get rid of it, you burn it, and it's gone. Well, it's great that these uh, the the cadaver that attacks them the first time that door opens i didn't expect it to run and charge and it was like these are fast moving they're basically people yeah like they're fast moving zombies uh they kill you you know there's all sorts of zombie rules yeah this changed them so this these were very different kind of zombies than the Night of the Living Dead zombies Mm -hmm. and and that was what o'bannon wanted to do is really like make it something different from because I think by this point, Dawn of the Dead was out, and Day of the Dead, I believe, was out as well. Oh, okay. So Romero's trilogy, which it was for a really long time, was out, and, and there was the assumption that that's what zombies were, these slow-moving, you know, flesh-eating, 
mm-hmm. um, cadavers, really. But yeah. uh, so, and this changed what those rules were. And they explain later on, like they trap a zombie and get it to. And it sort of explains why they're why it's doing what it's what they're doing. Yeah, and it's basically they're 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 after everybody's brains, mm-hmm. brains. Brains became the the tagline sort of of this movie and and the thing that it was most famous for. Yeah, well, the, before I didn't know this, but the, it, this was the movie that associated zombies eating brains. Yeah, like this was the first time they were doing it. Yeah, and so brains. Yeah, and like they talk. Yeah, <laughs> like so <laughs> when they trap it, when they trap the zombie, it's yeah. they're eating brains because they're they need the endorphins. Because it's like a drug to them because they're in pain. Yeah. Like they can feel the physical pain of, of whatever state they're in. Yeah, they feel that the pain of death. They're the, rotting away. Yeah. Like, and the endorphin from the brain is like a drug that yeah. makes that pain go away. Yeah. So that's why they're like a nonstop uh, you know, wall of yeah. death. They're not necessarily hungry. They just, they just need their drug. They need their – and the pain is too great. So yeah, there's no moral choice for them. <laughs> totally, totally different uh, take on the zombie culture than I think pretty much everything else. Even Walking Dead doesn't. No, they they don't explain anything. Yeah, well, in the Walking Dead's interesting that it's just that didn't the zombies of that don't don't exist in a world where zombie movies were a thing. Right. Uh, so they they're all discovering zombies for the first time. Yeah. But they follow basic rules. They're more or less slow. Mm-hmm. They're not intelligent. You flesh sh- eating. Uh, flesh eating, and um, you know, hit them in the brain, and they're they they die. Yeah. Um. So pretty com- pretty standard zombie fare. And then you've got twenty eight twenty eight days later, yeah. where that was the like debut of the fast moving zombies, like su- like superhuman fast, yeah. right? Like something like that. Yeah, like much. running full speed. Yeah. Uh, so this is sort of different from all of those that um, they're not the zombies here aren't I mean they're lumbering but not as lumbering as as the Romero zombies are. Yeah, but they I mean they attack they attack a, a, like a like a mob of people would attack people. Mm-hmm. They 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 move like human beings. Yeah, and I think uh, Bird even says that eventually he's like they're just they're just they're no stronger than people. I think or Ernie probably says yeah. that. Um, Bert and Ernie. T- because he's tying down the the zombie they they caught. Yeah. He's like, are you sure that it won't break free? Like, no, he's just they're no stronger than people. Yeah. So, it's 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 like they're a different race of mm-hmm. a different species. Of a different species. Yeah. Like yeah. it's a little. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. So the four you've got your four characters who are in the mortuary now, while Freddy's friends are are waiting for him to get off work, and they're hanging out in the graveyard, which is across the street. Right, it's or right well, nearby. They're they're in like the whole grave. The mortuary is part of the graveyard. The mm-hmm. embalming, like so, they're all in the same area. Right, but they're hanging out. Yeah, before the the chaos starts and before the rain comes, they're they got time to kill. So let's just hang out in the cemetery. Who like, doesn't? Like, and it's junk. It's a junky ass place. Like, yeah, it's it, the way they decorate it. The, uh, you know, putting the headstones. It's just chaotic. It looks like it looks like a Halloween set. It does. Like yeah. like a, like a kid's Halloween. You know scary house kind of thing like mm-hmm. there's nothing aligned nothing, nothing yeah they're know. not uniform no yeah, um but that's where they hang out like the, they got no money to buy gas to drive around or go buy you know go eat like just hang out in the cemetery till yeah. 10 p.m on a on july 3rd like and you you get a, ga- a great uh character moment with tra- the trash 
character. Yeah, Trash is played by Linnea Quigley. Yeah, Trash is interesting. Yeah, really bizarre character, and she just takes off her clothes and she dances on. I mean, that's a famous scene where she dances on top of the grave with the song "Tonight" playing. Yeah, but uh, I mean, just she's naked almost the whole movie. Mm-hmm. All because she wants to be. Yeah, you know, and she talks about how her worst nightmare is being, you know mauled by a group of you know a group of people and eaten to death yeah and eating her they would take off her clothes and that's why she takes her own clothes off but then yeah she doesn't that's her worst fear yeah <laughs> you ever think about dying people biting me and yeah. eating me to, to death like jesus yeah she was already thinking about this and then it happens and then it, the worst happens yeah so i mean it's that's to me that's like a real messed up part of the movie yeah it's <laughs> kind of nuts and then she she eventually rises, and then she's a pale skinned naked woman with the with her pink hair, yeah, and a and prosthetic jaw, yeah, like she, the open big open mouth, big giant open jaw. Like yeah. and it's a shame you don't get like a really good shot of it. It probably wouldn't look good in close up or something. Right. But every, she attacks people, and just you just see like an unhinged jaw, like her face just attacking them, and mm-hmm. it's scary. Like yeah, it's kind of nuts. And when they were shooting that scene, the one of the producers. Uh, was freaking out about the nudity. Yeah. And like, you can't see, you know, you can't see any pubic hair. You can't, like, you can't do that. You gotta, you gotta do some. So they like, they had shot the scene. They took her down, shaved her. They record, did it again. Mm-hmm. And then he's still freaking out because you can see her vagina. Yeah. And uh, so he brought her out. They stopped filming. They brought her right to special effects who made a mold essentially made a barbie mold of her crotch uh-huh. so it's there's just nothing there uh-huh. and they shot it again and all the other actors are just like staring at her and how weird this woman looks without a vagina at all right right yeah <laughs> and that's what's in the movie if you look <laughs> i mean it's cut kind of quickly so you you can't see it that well but but you can you can see that it, there's nothing yeah. nothing happening there's, there there's nothing there it's a. Uh... Yeah, it's a it's a funky movie. But it probably exactly. did help them get through, you know, the censors and yeah. that probably would have been an issue. I guess so. But when she was like dancing around, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's hard to yeah. And then as the zombie as the rain happens and the zombies come out and and what happens to her is is really like the worst thing that could ever happen is your worst nightmare coming true. Right. We've seen this before in, yeah. in these horror movies. We see it all the time. Yeah. Every time. Everyone, everyone. talks about their worst fear and then it comes true. Yep. You know, you know it's coming. But mm-hmm. uh, So they, are, once it starts raining, is it kind of like acid rain too? Yeah, they said this, it burns their skin. Yeah. Like, so it's, it's not, it's bad rain. So they go over to the warehouse to get Freddy which is when they discover the tar man. Yeah. So then, and well, then yeah, because Tina went over. Tina's uh, played by Beverly. Beverly Randolph. Randolph. You know, so she originally initially went over by herself to find Freddy, and then she gets trapped by the tar man, and then luckily the the rest of the punks uh, come to rescue her. But fortunately, tar man gets suicide. Yeah. And right he, in the head. A really oh, just digs in and bite. Yeah, bites his skull well they go down to this basement where they where tina's hiding and there's like a curtain right there's like a curtain up and yeah he can't see they can't see what's happening they just see this chain well and like tarman just he he uses a a a chain on a pulley 
so he can get unlock the door. Like so, he's so smart. It's another example of this is not a typical zombie. He's using his intelligence to uh, to to get her. Yeah. Um, so you, the punks come down. They see the doors fly off. Then then they open the curtain to see the source of it. And then it was. And it's tar- And it's a great another great shot. Kind of like an iconic shot of the movie. Yeah. The curtain gets pulled, and Tarman is like right in. It's from Suicide's point of view, and Tarman's like right in his face. Yeah, and he's just like brains, yeah, yeah. and just bites his head. Yeah, and it's it's really gross. It's a it's a well done effect. Yeah, and you get uh, you know your your lead sort of your lead zombie right there. Yeah, and then they escape, and uh, the rest escape. They they lock him in there. So that's yeah. where Tarman's gonna live in it for for a little while. Yeah. Uh, but we see Tarman again. Oh, he comes back. Oh yeah, we're not done with him. But that's where he'll he'll be. Another and and while this is going on, you got your four other characters still at the mortuary. So our characters are divided now. Yeah, they keep they keep kind of splitting up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freddie and Frank are physically starting to change. They're yeah. getting sick. They're like pale white. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're getting sicker. Like after they burn the body, they think their job's done. But now their new problem is like they're really sick. They can't move. Like mm-hmm. they can't even get to that. Like they so they decide to call paramedics. Yeah. And so paramedics. Great come. part of the movie. So they <laughs> these two guys come to examine them. Whose names they name themselves Tom and Jerry. Oh, do they? So you have Bert and Ernie and Tom, Tom and Jerry. Jerry. That's perfect. Uh, and so they examine them, and they have no blood pressure. Their temper their body temperature seventy degrees. They have no heartbeat. They they're stiffening up. They're like they're and, dead. Yeah, they they have nothing. They, they're they're dead. They're dead. Like they're not dead because they're walking around, but they're like we don't know what else to say. Yeah, other than you're dead. So we'll, we'll we'll figure this out. And their their react. James Karen. I mean, both of them are, are great, mm-hmm. but their reactions are so hilarious mm-hmm. and no pulse, no blood pressure. Like they're trying <laughs> to like fathom how the, they're dead. Yeah, but. yeah. And and that's what's funny about this that you know all the all the dead that's raised by the what happened. They're already dead, but we're actually watching Fred and Frank dying and and in a lot of pain. And, like, they're actually exemplifying the fact that, like, this is pain. Like, we see them in pain the whole time. Yeah. Uh, So that's exactly the pain the zombies feel. From essentially being poisoned. Yeah. Yeah. By taking in the zombie gas. Yeah. Um, So it's kind of... Fun, like th- that's the pain that, that the zombies are feeling, and it's chronic. You almost get it, so you sort of get it by the time Freddy turns at the end, uh, toward the end. Like you get it, like he's in so much pain, he dies yeah. officially, and then comes back, and he's gonna he's gonna yeah. eat them brains. Yeah, he's, he's hungry. Um, yeah, it, that kind of all makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it, it's very it's tight script, man. Mm-hmm. Very, yeah, <laughs> totally a, works. There's a lot a logic to it, and it, it it works. There's nothing better when when it all kind of lines up and everything is smooth on a script level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the another little subtext, little hidden thing in the in the movie is Don Kalfa's character Ernie. Mm-hmm. He's got this whole. You kind of have to catch it. Some of it is a little more obvious than others, but he's basically a Nazi in hiding. I was gonna say he speaks German. He's got his. He gun speaks ready German. He's got a Luger. Yeah. His the, all the pictures on his like walls are all. 
like there's Hitler and you know other German military people uh-huh. and the music he's listening to and oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was like a real uh-huh. subtext that was to that character which I think is awesome. It's a whole like what a way to like do. that guy has a whole different movie that you could spin off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. His, all his whole life is very interesting until the zombie thing happens. Yeah, so, like, like yeah, most interesting life. That he's a, a Nazi in hiding in yeah. Louisville. Like, how how did he get to Louisville? And yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but just a great character there. So they call the paramedics to come check out Frank and Freddie. And the paramedic scene outside the mortuary is, to me, like hilarious and totally frightening. Mm. Like when the first two guys go out? Yeah. Back to their they go out. Uh, it's still pouring rain. Mm-hmm. They go and uh, there's zombies everywhere who, yeah. just, who maul the first one mm-hmm. and just tear them apart. Mm-hmm. And then they get the second one. And he like screams like a girl, like, <laughs> uh, but then one of the zombies crawls into the front, and again the zombies are smart. These are smart zombies. He just he says, "Send more paramedics." <laughs> yeah, that's all, and that's all it takes to send another ambulance. <laughs> yeah, then there's another ambulance, and there are police that come too. And there's a shot, yeah. another good shot, like down this um, this road kind of surrounded by trees and mm-hmm. and when the when the paramedics pull up like you just see they just get invaded by zombies yeah you see you watch uh you watch from the window from the, the point of view of the characters inside so you yeah. don't really hear anything from but bert you... right bert's watching yeah and so the the ambulance comes two guys get out they're like walking a little they notice the dead body uh, of the other paramedics and then they both just they both get swarmed and tackled and it's it's slightly comedic, but also it's horrifying yeah. too. It, but there's something fun, and then they're just watching. Like anyone who comes here is just gonna get killed. Like, they're, what, yeah. like what do we do? Like, yeah, there's some relief in laughing about it because it is kind of like it's a no-win situation. Yeah, like, I mean, like what's gonna happen? Like, what do you do? Anyone who comes to help, they're hiding, waiting for for people to come. Right, like, they're not just ambling about. I mean, essentially, they're gonna—they're trying to wait out the night, right? They board up the—they board up the windows, and yeah, they just have to keep themselves, keep the zombies out, mm-hmm. and uh, but they don't really know what to do, and they still refuse to call. Like they—they they don't know what to do. They don't want to. Yeah. They know, there's no one else to call. There's no one else to call. Yeah. Until they figure out, like, could they call the army? The army. Yeah. Which because the they call the number. Yeah. There's a number on the side. Like, if found, call the department of. Department of Defense, I think, or something like that. Which circles back to the colonel that we saw in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, he's waiting for some information to come yeah. in. But, uh, yeah. What, um, but like, it's kind of, like, the thing with um, with the punks, though, like, they're all that personality, but was it, like, kind of, like, trash? I kind of get the the character of trash, but isn't it mm. kind of exploitive to do that on that's film? What, yeah, <laughs> I, that's what I was gonna say. Was, I mean, it, that's that part, like that section of the movie, uh-huh. her running around naked and you and know grabbing and... suicide's crotch for like a whole scene. Yeah, is uh, I don't that doesn't that's the one part that doesn't work to me. Yeah, I I can understand a nudist or a naturist like to one point but she's like overly sexual yeah. about it and like that's kind of and she's around her friends like it's just kind of a little much mm-hmm. <laughs> like and dan o'bannon 
I mean, he made this movie for guys. He just assumed that guys would be the ones going to the theaters and yeah. enjoying it. Uh, but there's a lot of women who like this movie. He later said, he's like, if I knew women were going to like this movie, I would have had Tom Matthews running around naked, too. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. so I, I, you know, I can understand his perspective in in 1984 when they made this. but Right, but it is just that thing of like, well, we're make, we, we can put naked women in it so let's just let's make sure we do that yeah you know there's something to keep drawing an audience in and that was a horror movie thing especially in the 80s that you're going to see a topless girl at some point or a sex scene somewhere in there yeah it's a cheap it's a cheap ploy it it is (laughs) to to get viewers that they did almost every time exactly and o'bannon as a director when you talk to these actors which i do i talk to all the actors you're in touch you're in a group chat yeah. Group text. Clue and I, we text. Yeah. Uh, they all have different um, reactions to him as director. Mm-hmm. Like James Karen and Tom Matthews loved him. Like they thought he was great. He was, you know, what they needed yeah. to get that performance. Clue uh, did not get along with him at all. Oh. I mean, just really almost an antagonistic relationship. And Clue was a hothead. That he would, uh, and he denies it too. He denies this ever happened, but all the other actors confirmed it. He chased him off the set with a baseball bat. Oh, Jesus. They just, he had his way of doing it. And, yeah. and I think he was also, I'm not taking one side or the other, but looking at it objectively, I'm sure he was in character and was kind of, you know, trying to get in the moment. So he was running at a, maybe running at like a higher intensity level yeah he's a little hot yeah the the emotional level is up there and some of the the group of friends you know said that that o'bannon could be kind of rough as a director Mm -hmm. um he was a lot of times he wouldn't say a word to them Mm -hmm. like no direction or he was like physically moving them and kind of snapping at them so Uh. he kind of ranged all over you know it's different being a writer and being a director are different things oh sure so just because you're a great writer doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a great director. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do think O'Bannon did a great job with this, and he's done other movies that turn out well. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you don't always have the personality to deal with, with actors on that level. Yeah, well, some directors are an actor's director. You mm-hmm. know, actors appreciate the communication and yeah. the, the understanding and the, the, the relationship of, of what they're both there to do. And sometimes some directors are there to tell the story in a very particular way, and this is how it's supposed to look, and get more technical and less understanding of, of that. So, and yeah, a lot, some actors are just not going to respond to that. Yeah. And it's going to be bad. Yeah. It's bad news, bears. <laughs> bad news. And I, I love the pessimistic ending of the movie, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like they know they're going to lose, and they do, because. Once they do call the, you know, they call the number on the canister. Mm-hmm. Uh, the military comes in and just nukes the the whole area. Yeah, they take out twenty square twenty square city blocks, four thousand dead. It's going to be fine. But what else happens? They, but you know that what they just did was just blow all the the whatever it is that's yep. you know spreading up into the atmosphere. Yep. So now they're gonna, it's gonna be it rains again, ten times as worse, and the rain comes back down. Yeah. So. So it looks like the end of the world is coming. Yeah. So maybe you could argue, hey, you could argue that this is the prequel to Walking Dead. 
Sure. You could. I won't. I mean, it's Louisville. That's not that far from Atlanta. True. You don't know. In Walking Dead, you don't know what happened to cause the zombie apocalypse. Sure. So, I don't know. But these food for thought. Those are totally different zombies. Well, those are Louisville zombies. Maybe in Atlanta. (laughs) Down there in Atlanta, (laughs) we we zombies, we, we just amble about. (laughs) <laughs> Not like you, you boys up there in Louisville. With you're running about. You, you want a fast zombie? You go to you go to Louisville. <laughs> you need slow ambling, uh, flesh eating zombies. You come down to Atlanta. <laughs> you want a slow moving zombie? You go to Pittsburgh. <laughs> so it all depends where yeah, you are. It's, yeah, it's regional. Obviously, it's regional. Yeah, zombies are regional. They are. Yeah, <laughs> we all know that. The L.A. zombies, the hipster oh, zombies. God, they their, just want to go to Los Feliz. Their and matcha Lake. and their quinoa. <laughs> <laughs> their vegan-free donuts. Oh, my God. Vegan-free? Whatever. Mm. Yeah. Little GF gluten-free. Yeah. <laughs> Need some GF brains. Uh, and then the movie as a whole. I mean, how do you... You're not a big horror guy. No. But... I think this ranks up there with your Evil Dead 2, especially. Sure, yeah. The Evil Dead franchise is one that evolved from being a horror franchise to like a sci-fi action franchise, mm-hmm. with Evil Dead 2 being the horror comedy in the middle there. Yeah. I, you know, I'm fine with this kind of, this particularly, just because it is so fantastic and silly. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, this is great. This is a fun time for yeah. me. Um, so I could see how it ranks or horror fans too this is just this is another great version of of you know a horror film yeah i i think what turned me off by and i probably mentioned this on the other other show but like the reason horror movies maybe turned me off is just that more or less innocent people living their lives are just killed sort of indiscriminately without mm-hmm. a real chance to survive and and in a very uh naive just part of my brain as a child it's just like that's really unfair <laughs> I hate this. I don't like. You're not wrong. I don't like when people die, uh, in general. And then uh, I don't like witnessing like sort of an unfair way. Like you're yeah, just, like you're in the wrong place, no the wrong place. Yeah, yeah. Like so, like and because I, that's not thrilling to me. I just you know this is much different. This is a this is a a completely ridiculous concept. Yeah, zombies are just a ridiculous concept. I can mm-hmm. kind of tolerate it. Um, yeah, well, it's so because um, it's like more of like fighting back a disease or just trying to survive. You know, it's zombies are kind of a, an act of nature mm-hmm. in a sense. Not a, they're not psychopaths, uh, no matter what their iteration is. They're just an act. They're they're yeah. just acting like animals or right. whatever. So it's just sort of like, what do you do with that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. It's a living. It's a walking disease. Uh, as, of nature so that's that's different a, a zombie movie is way different than a slasher film in, in yeah, terms of being I, horrific I like, mean, yeah and there's even more psychological like the ones that really get me are like the psychological movies like like a Blair Witch sure uh, that really can get in your head this is like the total other end of the spectrum really yeah no but this yeah I would put this up there with with Evil Dead 2 and yeah. uh, I mean I, I, I would I kind of feel like Evil Dead 2 is sort of the best, but this, Zombieland... You oh, know, Zombieland's fantastic. I mean, Zombieland's so much fun. Oh, wow. It's so well done. But that's... And that's... Shaun I of think, the Dead. Yeah, right? Shaun of the Dead, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, these are these are great. This is... It's up there with the rest of them. Yeah, and the horror comedy, when done right, is is 
just fun. I mean, mm-hmm. it, that's and that's all they're trying to do is is get that get that emotion out of you that that like just having fun, just watch, watching it and having a good time. Yeah. Uh, side note, though, speaking of Evil Dead, though, have you seen any of that Ash versus the I have. Evil Dead? Yeah, I've watched this, most of the first season. The series on Stars or Showtime yep. or whatever? That is fantastic. It's great. If you like horror comedy and you like Evil Dead, if you haven't seen that, you're crazy. It's really yeah. good. Bruce Campbell and the, the whole thing is great. And they nail the tone. It sounds of, perfect. Especially Evil Dead 2. I know it's a mix of Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of shows... Or movies where there's a long gap mm-hmm. between, you know, seasons or between movies, they lose that mojo. But they definitely nailed it with Ash vs. Evil Dead. Yeah, it's it's perfect. Yeah. Um, and Ted Raimi shows up in the second of course. season. All the Raimis are involved. All the Raimis are involved. Yeah. Uh, Lucy Lawless is in uh, both seasons. Yes, she is. Three, all three seasons. Yeah. Um, so she's part of the family. She's, she's great. Yeah. So anyway, horror comedy... Get your fix. Yeah, there's lots to uh, there's lots to recommend along this, but that that would be yeah definitely be one of them. Yeah. But we've talked about the cast. Should we just? I mean, just take a quick. Can you just come over just real quick? I want to just bring you. Bring, let's come on. We're going over to the corner. Come okay. on. Okay. Right. Come on. All right. All right. Okay. Real quick. I just. I. I it's been a while. I'm feeling charged up. 1985. Is Kurt Russell in this movie? No, no, I agree. He's not. It'd be, it's a shame. He's not because he's not in this movie. Who's got the best hair in this movie? Come I'm, on. I'm gonna go with Don Kalfa. That Don bleached Kalfa. blonde hair. Oh yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, there's a lot of hair in the. Well, I mean, there's any number of people. I mean, the, suicide, su- trash. Yeah, there's tra- Scuzz has a uh, natural mohawk that yeah. he got cut. He went out on his own and got a mohawk. Didn't, no one told him to do that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, trash is uh, yellow hair, pink hair. Yeah, uh, I mean, great haircuts all over this movie. Um, would he fit though? Could we get Kurt Russell in this movie? What do you think? If he's, since he's not in it. Oh, think? Kurt. Yeah. You 1985, think? Kurt. Yeah. What do you think? Because I'm thinking older Kurt would have been a great Bert, but yeah, uh, yeah. 85 Kurt. Too old to be any of the. Teens. Can't really be a punk. You'd have to work him in. Maybe you'd just be a paramedic. Just bring <laughs> just, him in as one of the paramedics and just die horribly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'd play a zombie. No, you know he'd be the mil- the colonel. There you go. Yeah. Oh yeah, you could colonel. just be, you could just be the guy calling in the bomb strike. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, and then finally, and then real quick. Oh wait, and real quick question. Let's, we're talking about him. So. What's a dream character you'd like to see Kurt play? Come on, we, we did this. We did this on the other show. Any uh, any character, any role, anywhere. Maybe a role we haven't even seen. Oh, you know, he should have been. If there were a good GI Joe movie, he would have been Duke. Oh, Duke. Yes, Duke. For not sure. not Channing Tatum. <laughs> no, was Channing Tatum play, Come on, played I, Duke? I, Channing's okay. I mean, but, Channing's great. Yeah. Uh, not in GI Joe. He's great in other movies. I'd like but. to see Kurt though play maybe Abraham Lincoln. Oh sure. I, I mean, we know good. he can do anything. Yeah, I just like, I think him freeing the slaves, giving speeches. Yeah, the beard. Oh my god. The top, the hat. All you really need to do is just add a little uh, birthmark or a, mm-hmm. a mole to him, and yeah. you got you got him. Uh, and then finally, let's just do it. Can you connect our star James Karen to Kurt Russell? Maybe. Oh yeah, here we go. Okay, do it. 
Okay. Clue Gulliger was in Last Picture Show with Randy Quaid. Mm-hmm. Randy Quaid was in any of the vacation movies with mm-hmm. Chevy Chase, Chevy Chase, Martin Short, Three Amigos, Martin Short, to Kurt and Captain Ron. Nice. Wow. That's a good just one. Off, just off the I top. I like of my that. Head. That's yeah. that. I like that. That's yeah. pretty good. I did some internet research. Of course you did. Because <laughs> I can't do this. I don't know what the internet is, but you're an expert. You may, I, I talk about the internet all the time. Uh, James Cameron, Karen, though, can you get it uh, to him through Poltergeist? Poltergeist. Who's in Poltergeist? Joe Beth Williams? Maybe. Craig T. Nelson? Yeah. And then what was Craig T. Nelson in with? Kurt. Craig T. Nelson was in a movie with Kurt. Yeah. Maybe briefly. I don't know. Silkwood. Oh, yeah. Silkwood. You're right. See? I forget that Craig T. Nelson was in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nailed it. So that's, I mean, also you can go James Karen to uh, Jack Warden in All the President's Men. Mm-hmm. And Jack Warden was in Used Cars. Mm-hmm. That is also true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, Jack Warden, R.I.P. Yeah. Oh, he was great. Uh, anyway. Uh, so the movie, they shot it in July and August 1984 in L.A. Uh, downtown, you know, especially the warehouse. Uh, warehouse district. Yeah, it was downtown L.A. Yeah, yeah. Which I've filmed there many times. Is it you horrible? Can, well, no, it's just, I mean, there are a lot of shows and movies that if you... Take a look at that when they're driving around that <laughs> area. Spot. Like you've seen that <laughs> so many times. Yeah, yeah. Um, they uh, the budget was about four million dollars, so pretty low budget. Low budge. Low budge. Uh, was released on August sixteenth, nineteen eighty five, in about fifteen hundred screens, hmm. and it did really well. It uh, opened. It made its money back opening weekend. Yeah. For was four. Point four million. Yeah, four point four. Yeah, number four at the box office, which was I don't think that anyone ever expected this movie to be a number one at the box office kind of movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, the it's such a very distinct yeah <laughs> genre. You know, but it or, was it was a it was a hit for sure. I mean, it uh, it ended up doing about fourteen million for its domestic run. So. Yeah, for yeah, a late summer Almost movie. quadrupled its money. So mm-hmm. that's that's a total success. That's a win. Yeah. Do you uh do you know what it actually opened against? Do tell. Uh Volunteers. Ooh. With Tom Hanks. And was it John, John Candy? Candy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh Year of the Dragon mm-hmm. as well. Uh both of Mel those. Gibson. Yeah, I think so. And then one other two others. Let's see, The Bride. Oh, with with Sting, that could be. Yeah, um, that's those were the four of that yeah. weekend. So. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, so not really like a huge weekend. Mel Gibson and Tom Hanks weren't. Uh, I mean, they were names, but they weren't like the huge stars that they would later become. Yeah, not giant draws. So it's you know it's mid it's mid August. Mm-hmm. It's almost back to school. Yeah, times. Which you can listen to in the archives. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so those movies all had a, a nice little life. Yeah. Uh, you know, for that that that. And eighty five is a big year for movies. Big year. And this was did not rank very high on that list of movies. So, uh, do, just take a, ga- a guess with fourteen million and change. Where do you think it ranked? In top oh 100? God, I would, 
I would be shocked if it was top 50. It's not top 50. Top 75. It is top 75. Okay. It's it's closer to 50, though. 661. 59. Oh. 59. It just made $400,000 less than Clue. Wow. That year. Yeah. Interesting. Clue came out that year. Yeah. What a great year. Do you remember the number Ru- one? Just, and just real quick, we won't do a ton of these, but do you remember the number back one movie? Back to the Future. 85? Yeah. yeah. It's got to be packed. Huge numbers. $210 million for give Back me, to the Future. Give me top five. Fire out the top five of 85, because there's... You can throw out movies and guests, but uh, a lot of movies that year. Movies two and three that were ranked uh, had the same star, same lead actor in number two and three. Christopher Guest. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, Rambo, First Blood Part Two, and, and Rocky, Rocky Four. Four. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then of course the color purple, mm-hmm. and then Out of Africa. That's when that's that's back when your Oscar movies were. We're making lots of money as well. Yeah, I mean... Now your Oscar movies don't make money. No. And your big movies that make money don't get nominated. They don't get shit. Yeah. Yeah, Color Purple and Out of Africa both came out around the Christmas season and made uh, 94 and $87 million Wow. After they were that's done. That's a good run. Yeah, that's solid. Yeah. Um, Cocoon also came out that year. Cocoon! Jewel of the Nile. With a great soundtrack. The Witness. No, sorry. Witness. The Witness. <laughs> get it right. <laughs> Uh, number nine for the year, Goonies. The Goonies. Mm. And That's Sp- going to be a fun show when we cover Goonies. Sure. We're going to have the entire cast over. Yep. And uh, Spies Like Us is the top ten. Yeah. Interesting movie that one is. I'd love to give that a rewatch. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I love those guys, but that movie. Hey, hey, hey. So what do you think? Does this movie hold up? Does this? I think we've kind of already uh, mentioned it, but... I, I, th- I think... For the lovers of horror comedy, you're you're getting exactly what you like right here. This is a this is a perfect um, entree mm-hmm. to your five course yeah horror comedy meal. And the fans are really what kept this movie alive. I mean, it kind of disappeared. I think that's part of why I never went on my radar as a kid. It mm-hmm. just it you know was kind of pushed to the background of all the other bigger budget and bigger higher profile horror movies that were out there but it had a life of its own and the fans were what you know they petitioned and got dan o'bannon with them and mm-hmm. uh got the studio to put it on dvd yeah and then it's you know had several re-releases and documentaries about it and books have been written about it and it's just it had a second life yeah just be, just by giving getting it in front of viewers again yeah making it that, that, <clears throat> excuse me so i mean i borrowed your dvd to watch it mm-hmm. and i i had forgotten how dvds one side is a widescreen. One side is a full screen. Don't you dare watch that full screen. And I, but and it always confused me back in the day. It's like, well, it says widescreen on the top here. So does that mean that's where the widescreen is? Do I put this in upside down? And of course, no. Yeah. What you see on the top is what is on. It's what you get. What you need to see. Like, like the DVDs with the artwork on top, you know, the artwork says them. Anyway, I, I was always very wildly confused about what was on each side of those doubles. It was tough. Those those early two thousands were a tough time period. I couldn't. I didn't understand the technology then. Yeah, and I sure as heck don't understand it now. <laughs> What's a Blu-ray? I don't. Oh know. boy, is it? It's blue, right? I mean, the lasers blue. are blue. Yeah, they're not like red. <laughs> red and blue lasers, like <laughs> like GI Joe. Bring it back to GI Joe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is a totally fun movie. 
I think it's a great light light night movie. Sure, yeah. You know, see it with friends. See it see late with, night. See it after a great night out. There's certain movies. After Hours is another one that I think if you watch it at Michael like Michael Keaton. No, okay. Griffin Dunn, our old friend. Oh, Griffin After Dunn. Hours. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you if you watch it like after midnight, that's the best time to watch it. Yeah. If you know, as long as you aren't going to fall asleep on it. But. Yeah. The type the the kind of moments where you're tired but you're not going to sleep yet. And you need something to just let your mind go, and something that'll engage you, and you'll have a lot of fun with. Yeah. Um, and by yourself or with friends, either way, I think this is a winner. Yeah. And you know, we talked about the fans keeping this alive. Hopefully, this show, this podcast, this episode keeps uh, Return of the Living Dead. Its yeah. life uh, keep going. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm happy to be a part of that. Uh, I'm a big fan. I'm a new big fan of yeah. this. Yeah, so. I mean, they even mentioned it on the, they referenced it on The Simpsons and South Park, the the, the brain, the zombie-eating brains. Sure. Uh, so um, it's definitely got another, a new life. For years, I played Plants vs. Zombies on my smartphone, and, and the zombies on there, they want brains. Yeah. They say brains all the time in the damn game. I had to turn the volume off. It was terrible. And the boss was yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> and I almost forgot to mention they there this did spawn its own series of films. Yeah, didn't it have three or three sequels? Yeah, three sequels. Uh, none of them were as good as this. O'Bannon and Russo both weren't involved with any of the other movies, but mm-hmm. uh, which I think you can tell. Yeah. And I think James Karen comes back as a new character. And Tom Matthews, they're both in the second one Brilliant. as different like James Karen Karen is a uh, military another military guy uh-huh. the first time i i because i caught that one as a late night movie and i was like wait did they live somehow uh, yeah. no but they're just they're just there playing different roles okay do they do the two of them have a relationship like i don't think so no oh, okay. it, they're real small roles oh, so okay. it's more of like a nod to the first movie got it and they're not as you know they're less and less funny they're going back to like just making horror movies again yeah. so mm. Uh, if you're going to watch one in the franchise, just uh, you're fine with just the first one. Stick to this. But um, hopefully this show keeps its life going. And you guys, uh, if you give us a five-star review, give us a rating, tweet out about the show. Yeah. Uh, that'll help boost not only us, but that mo- this movie's legacy as well. Yeah, if you're a Night of the Living Dead fan, you, you have no choice but to, to help us spread the word. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm... I'm I'm a surprised new big fan. I love I, it. I, I was surprised how much I really liked it. Yeah. And um, so I, I can tell that. And if I like something, it's definitely good. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's, <laughs> I'm hard to please. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yes. Oh, but yeah, boy. any feedback or obviously we keep begging for reviews and, you know, we're going to just keep doing that. Uh, but we really appreciate you guys just even listening to us every week. And uh, just enjoying our kind of silliness. Yeah. And we've got a, a nice little lineup, maybe a few surprises this month. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's Shocktoberfest. <laughs> Spooky show. I'm scared all the time. <laughs> I, I don't leave my office here at Recon Cinema Studios. No, you're, you're holed up here. You've yeah. already been boarding up the windows. I'm kind of like Bill Murray and Scrooge. Like, it's just everything is here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't my, need to come my, liquor cabinet that's all i need liquor cabinet and we ha- we do have a subway on the lot so yeah. you can just walk over to subway yeah and get a sandwich yeah david just slides a sandwich under the door yeah and once in a while i eat it <laughs> too scared but november 1st i'll be back out all right guys so. yeah it, it get, and unfortunately we didn't i can't believe we didn't sh- install showers anywhere on the lot <laughs> so by the end of the month you yeah. just rank it's, it's bad. really bad on those days where you ride 
You ride your bike into work. <laughs> yeah. Just me and you on the studio a lot. <laughs> and our tandem bike. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we ride one bike together. Uh, but anyway, guys, we're uh, we're glad you tuned in. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Uh, thank you to all our, our fans in Finland and Sweden. Canada. Canada Brazil. Yeah. Japan. We love hearing from you guys. So. It's, been, it's, it's always fun to see that um, we get new listeners from, yeah. from all over. So. Uh, so shout out to all of our fans, young and old. Yeah. New and old. And stay tuned. We have some announcements this week, and we'll be back sooner than you think. Happy Shocktober. <laughs>